0: You are listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is my interview with the writer and director for After Yang, Koganada.
1: Come on, Yang. What are you doing? Come, come on. What happened to Yang? I don't know. He shut down last night. He won't restart. Has this happened before? No. If we can't get Yang fixed, we're not gonna buy another sibling for Mika. It is an interior core problem.
2: I need your permission to break open the core. We've always known that some bots are equipped with spyware. You might not want this bot in your house anymore.
1: What do you mean? Did you I want to be human?
0: That's such a human thing to ask, isn't it?
1: May I be honest with you? Wait, it's... it's not being honest an option for you. Do you want him back? Of course I do. I want him back too. I just need a little more time. What are you watching?
0: Poconata, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today about your newest film, After Yang, a film that we are all extremely excited about over here at Next Best Picture. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah,
2: it's an honor to be on your podcast. and. Yeah. Thank you for that response. That's encouraging.
0: Thank you very much. Um, We saw the film, most of us at Cannes earlier uh, last year, uh, but then we saw it at Sundance and now it's coming uh, both to theaters and also going to be uh, streaming for people uh, via Showtime. How does it feel to have kind of this slow rollout for this film and Mm -hmm. gradually see more and more people uh, watching the movie as opposed to it all happening at once? Do you do you like kind of that
2: build up to the release? Uh, well, you know, it's so different from like uh, Columbus in some ways, because, you know, uh, I made that film, you know, in three weeks and mm-hmm. cut it almost in three, you know, and then it was on Sundance and then it it, it got released. So I only have those two experiences. Um no, it's interesting. You know, I'm still kind of in it. I, I think you do at one point, and it was delayed because of the pandemic as yeah. well. So it's like uh, you know, it's been two years. So I'm uh, I'm so happy that it's going to be out in the world and people can love it or hate it or dismiss it or whatever. You know, you just want to film to uh, for people to be able to, to discover it. So I'm I'm really glad that we're at at this point. Um, and yeah, and there was something though between Can and Sundance yeah there was some you know i i yeah i was actually able to make a a few adjustments you know i talked to a24 after can and mm-hmm. uh, it, it did afford me uh to uh, a moment to to improve some things and uh Yeah, so I think looking back, I'm just so glad, you know, that uh, I had the time because I'm really happy with this version. You strike me as a
0: perfectionist, somebody who (laughs) takes uh, great care and detail with their work uh, and is probably never satisfied fully uh, with, (laughs) with the work. And I think a lot of that comes through in the overall design and aesthetic of After Yang. We saw this in Columbus as well, the way that your production design really influences the mood, the themes, the characters. Um, And talking through that just a little bit here, I actually want to discuss one element in this movie that uh, something like Columbus didn't have. There's a particular visual effects sequence as we go through uh, Yang's uh, memories through the eyes of uh, Colin Farrell's character. Can you describe what it was like working in that element and what you were uh, seeking to achieve through the visual
2: effects? Yeah, you know, I knew that it was a real unknown, uh, uh, you know, like I wrote it and I knew that I didn't want it to be navigated like a computer interface that was very uh, familiar to us and mm-hmm. knowable. And throughout the process of even writing the script, I always wanted Yang to feel like a mystery even to me. You know, I didn't want it to feel like, oh, I, and, and and wrote to that. And so I just knew that this memory space was going to be... Um, uh, you know, a, a mystery, like we wouldn't even know fully how it it functions. And then the more, I, you know, I thought about it, the more I also wanted to, to have a sense of Yang's own longing for a sense of place that right. somehow even in the, even in the absorption of these memories that it was creating a, almost a spatial environment that, that, you know, uh, and that started to get very exciting, you know, the, mm-hmm. that, that both of those elements. And I worked with this incredible, um, uh, designer um, Raul Marx, who I knew uh, uh, years ago, we were sort of mutual admirers of, of works that we were putting out, shorter works, um, and yeah, and he just did this lovely job of, of sort of translating that, and um, yeah, so that was a real surprise because you know uh, it's not as if I sketched out this is exactly how it's going to be. I just knew that. Um, I wanted to have those elements of, of the unknown, uh, but also yeah. something that was spatial and organic.
0: So I, I, you know, I've seen a lot of films, uh, a lot of sci-fi films made on this kind of scale and budget that talks about themes of what it means to be human. But to me, After Yang is going with, for something a little bit more specific as it pertains to Asian identity. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the separation of that. And was that something that was uh, deliberate in what you were looking to explore through the screenplay, because I found it to be just such a unique entry point into a genre that, you know, can feel quite familiar at times.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I think those films that, uh, and, and there are a lot, you know, that sort of Pinocchio theme of like uh, something artificial, wanting to be human uh, has existed. And there's a reason why that, that feels meaningful. So I don't want to dismiss that. But mm-hmm. I had always, you know, I, you know, when Ada says, uh that's such a human question, you know, because we just have this assumption and, you know, being human is hard, you know, and, and not only is it hard, uh, the existential element of being human of like, why are we here? And, and, it, you know, it, it is this uh, question that I've always, you know, sort of struggled with. Um, and I just thought, you know, when it comes to something like AI, they don't have to ask that question, you know, they know their origin story and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, and maybe we imagine that they they want to be liberated from it. But I just thought I wanted to. The other greater tension for me when I was uh, both reading it and adapting it, because you know the author is an Asian, but he had written this story, and and I love the author and wrote it very sensitively. But mm-hmm. I just thought, as an Asian filmmaker adapting it, it was very interesting to me that Yang uh, was manufactured to be Asian, mm-hmm. and and in that strange way. I I related to that, you know, like because I uh, most of my life has been in America and there is this construct of Asianness that um, that I feel even in my own identity. um, You know, I'm asking that question of what it means to be Asian. And when you ask that question outside Mm -hmm. of your country and maybe even inside the country, you have to deal with this sort of presentation of Asianness, this this perception of Asianness. And that was a fascinating question, you know, for me and and something that was surprisingly um, uh, relatable. Uh, yeah, and so that longing that uh, that yang has to, mm-hmm. to to understand this thing that he was built for, and that is the one thing that, you know he he has to um, offer uh his any younger sibling um yeah i just it, it was very engaging you know and it, it has even now you know it, it has helped me think through my, my own struggles. nice
0: i really love that
1: hey, hey there i'm hannah and
2: i'm audrey even care if they are we are always unpacking that very question on sleepover cinema check out sleepover cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at Evergreenpodcasts.com. see you soon
1: this is krista makes guitarist and vocalist for less than jake and host of krista makes a podcast a songwriting podcast where every week i'm joined by an amazing guest
0: There is a element to the film that uh, deals in a little bit of a conspiracy uh, subplot that uh, Colin Farrell's character is uh, traveling down. And just when you think it's going to lead to something, you actually kind of sidetrack and you explore the deeper meaning of what the movie is about emotionally. And I really loved that because it hit me on a level that I was not expecting. And so in talking through something like that, Was it uh, a deliberate uh, choice on your part to not necessarily go down that road? Was there another element to it where you did go down that road in the screenwriting phase and explore that fervor? Like, What decisions did you make as a storyteller to really hammer home uh, that emotional connection of the story for the audience?
2: yeah um no i never i never thought of going down the path where gang was in fact you know spying it but but i did also know it's complicated you know mm-hmm. um you know like you know that he is recording you know in the you know and, and spyware is a real like i don't i don't look at that in an innocuous way in our society you know I, right. I feel like very much that that's an issue and uh and you know you do hear this idea that that was outlawed and so i think that those are real issues mm-hmm. um but I never thought, you know, I, I thought there was some greater um, element about that in, in regard to memory or what was passing by, or really the choices that Yang makes to uh, of what to record, you know, because it could have been d- very disturbing. You know, Yang could have mm-hmm. decided. And, and so without changing anything, if the series of memories that he encounters feel very invasive in, in a way that's disturbing, that could exist. So I like that tension. You know, I mm-hmm. like that tension that we have to kind of um, think of that as a possibility, um, before we, we really, um, engage who Yang was. And I, and I think that was nice for the character of Jake, too, to both have, because, you know, Jake, I think what I, like, Jake isn't trying to you know um he's not the hero trying to fix yang you know when we meet him he's a little bit disconnected and lost and i think the idea of fixing yang is a bit of a chore to him like us having to be responsible to fix our car or our computer it's just sure. like okay a, a burden yeah. and i and i like the idea then that it's also built on then he might even feel negative like oh this you know but it really is that yang ends up in its own way, fixing Jake, you know, that, that, that his, this, this looking into the the memories of Yang and, and seeing what is passing by, uh, um, Jake as, as he's sort of drifting through these, uh, early years of, of, of Nika. Um, yeah, that was more interesting to me, you know, that, yeah. that sort of turn there. Yeah. I,
0: I definitely agree. I mean, I wouldn't have mind if it went down like a thriller aspect, yeah. like but at the same time, <laughs> yeah. what you did was beautiful. It was moving, and yeah. it really yeah. affected me on a on a really profound level. So. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. Kind of sidestepping uh that element, though. Talk about this opening dance sequence, please. I want to know how many <laughs> takes did it take to get that right? Um, yeah. Where did the idea come from? Because it is just so creative, so much fun. I love that the movie uh, starts with that.
2: Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, you know, I had written it into the script, and it was sort of a delight to even think about the film starting that way. Um, yeah you know there was just some moment when i was writing the intro that i just thought um i want to see all of these families in sync before you know before things begin to unravel a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- th- the idea of literally seeing them in sync uh, and just suspending it as a credit sequence was really exciting for me. And then once I thought about it that way, I thought about this uh, martial arts film that I saw when I was maybe uh, nine or seven or nine. Uh, and I only saw, saw it once, but it has it stayed with me. You know, uh, I got a copy of it when I was in college, like a VHS copy of it, but it's called The Kid with the Golden Arms. It's like a mm-hmm. Shaw Brothers film and they had this suspended sequence where everyone's doing their special uh uh, martial arts technique uh so uh so then i thought oh i want to you know do something in that way and then we had this incredible Celia ralston hall choreographer who built the dance and you know she only had like a few days to try to get every one of the actors uh to understand the dance um so she made videos she had uh, they could come into her studio and then all the other fam- the family members that weren't a part of the film were like dancers uh, uh in her studio uh and then we took a, a a long day to to uh to shoot all the all the families um yeah. And then and then the, the main family did it twice because we also shot them doing it in the, the house, you know, later. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a really it was a great way. It was at the very beginning of the filmmaking, too. And especially for the family, Jodi, because of some difficulties uh, with a, a, another actor that we had cast by difficulties, I mean, that she she couldn't get to America because there were border issues back then. Mm, um yeah. J- Jody was a, a very last minute hire and she was really a gift for our production. But that was the first thing she did. We were already in production and then she suddenly got incorporated it to the family. And what was amazing about it is that dance really like turned them into a family because they were just like, you know, struggling and, and, and trying to get through it. And by the time they did it perfectly, you know, they were giving each other high fives and it was really like a, a unifying way to begin uh, the story of that family. I, I really love hearing about that, and uh, yeah, I think Jody was a
0: great addition overall. Yeah. Um, last question uh, at the end of the film: Can you tell me a little bit about where you think Jake is mentally?
2: Mm. Oh, that's a that's a I've never no no one has asked that. Um, you know, in the same way that I've, I I I have kept Yang, and I, I this is the kind of way I write. You know, where I don't uh, know I, I keep my characters to be uh like some someone that i i want to explore you know so i i uh, i always wanted yang to be a mystery and, and and it's not just yang but it's probably true for all the characters and jake throughout this uh script you know i would say you know that he has you know a particular expression and i don't write that a lot you know like what their expression is but i would often right like and we don't know whether what what he's feeling. So that was up to, you know, uh Colin uh to answer that if he wanted to. And and um but yeah, I mean I think at the end, um, you know, I don't know, but it it, it certainly feels as if he is reconnected with the family and maybe even reconnected with his uh a, a deeper sense of meaning, you know, mm-hmm. um and 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 has has caught up to grief. I think the thing that I loved about this story is you know if it was a real son who died or was sick we all know that story mm-hmm. but for us to posit that this almost appliance is ai that is just that they bought to help their child is malfunctioning um grief and the way we told the story, it's not as if like halfway through, uh, we then had Yang malfunction so that we were already all emotionally attached to him. You know, we sort of just start out that way. And and um, yeah, I, and so I I just sort of love the, the idea that sometimes you have to catch up to grief. Sometimes you have to care enough that you realize you've lost something. Yeah. And I think that there's some element of him catching up to uh Just to caring again, you know, because I think as long as you are disconnected and detached, you also don't get feel hurt. You know, Mm -hmm. it protects you from um, emotion. And there's, there's a sense in which by the end, he is sensitized again to his family, to his daughter, to life. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: Koganada, thank you so so much for your time today and talking about After yeah. Yang. I'm a huge fan of your work. I also love yeah. the video essays and the work you've done with Criterion Collection. I'm hoping for that Columbus uh, Criterion Blu-ray at some point. <laughs> so please, yeah, yeah. please make that happen. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. best of luck and all the success in the world to you um, with
2: After Yang and everything else you do in the future. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure and uh, yeah and a pleasure to connect with you and uh, your publication and, and podcast. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. All right take care.
0: Hey everyone. thank you so much for listening to my interview with the writer and director for after Yang Koganada here on the Next best Picture podcast. After Yang is currently playing in theaters and available to stream on Showtime.